Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Daf Yomi in Ksuvos Daf Mu. It's Ksuvos Daf Mu, and there's actually a really interesting thing. In about a year, just about a year, Rabosai, we'll be in Nizikin, and we'll be on Bavakama Daf Mu. Does anyone know what's on Bavakama Daf Mu? Just trivia, if you happen to know. Good luck. Good luck? Okay. Bavakama Daf Mu. Ashore, good. Ashore Shinagach Esapara. The chapter Ashore Shinagach Esapara starts on Daf Mu. Okay, Hashem has a sense of humor. The publishers of Gemara have a sense of humor. But not only that, but it actually makes a difference if the cow there mooed or not. I'll give you a little preview. A little preview. So what happens is if the cow is pregnant and somebody's bull attacks the cow, now if that attack, the physical attack, made the cow miscarry, then the guy who owns the bull has to pay for the vlad, the, the offspring that's lost also. But if it wasn't the attack itself, but it was the bull charging that made her have the miscarriage, then they wouldn't have to pay for it. So it really does make a difference if the cow said moo or not in apprehension of the bull's attack. So Bavakama Daf Mu, that's a preview. But Baruch Shem, today we're on Daf Mu and Ksuva still. We are deep into the heart of the Nashim. Well, maybe... maybe you ask your wives if you're deep into the heart of the Nashim, but Baruch Hashem, in the Ksuvas at least, we're deep into the heart of Nashim on Daf Mu. I wanted to backtrack a little bit to the Chumash, because we're going to see a lot of Psukim today about Motzi Shemra. So in Ki Tzay now Ki, Ki Tzay is just in three weeks for both sides. So this is three weeks coming attraction. You still have to do Shnai Mikra, even though I'm going to read you some Psukim. But in three weeks, we're going to read Ki Yikoch A man marries a woman, and he is intimate with her, and then he hates her. Now, that hate is, is mitzvah gereris, mitzvah avera gereris, avera. Vesom law, he places on her alilos devarim, wanton words, accusing words. Vahotzi aleya shemra. He brings upon her a shemra, a bad reputation, a bad name, this accusation of infidelity. Vamar esaisha zos lakachti. I took this wife, I married this wife. Vekravalecha, I came close to her. Lo matzati lo And she was not as advertised. Now, obviously, Rabosai, if you're laughing, but I'm making a good point here. Obviously, if he had gone into the marriage with the knowledge that this woman had certain premarital experience, then he would not be allowed to make this accusation because we'd say, yeah, you knew that going in. It's when the woman or her father is misrepresenting her personal history, and so he thinks that she's one type of girl, and it turns out she's a different type of girl, and he didn't know that. Then he's making this accusation based on the fact that if that event happened during their betrothal after Kedushin when she's an Ashazish, then she's Chayiv Misa. Then she gets the death penalty because that would be adultery. If something happened before they ever got betrothed, before the Kedushin took place, that's not Chayiv Misa. We don't punish a woman for having experiences before she gets married. That's, okay, that's not ideal. I'm not, I don't want the guys to run with this. Are there single guys in the audience here? Everyone's married. Baruch Hashem. We're, we're golden. But anyway, <laughs> don't, don't run with that. That's still not, that's, that's not OU certified. However, no one gets the death penalty for that kind of behavior. It's only if that happened during the betrothal, after she's an Ashazish, then it's the death penalty. Okay? So she misrepresented herself. He thought she was Betula Legamre. It turns out she wasn't, or at least he thinks she wasn't, or he just hates her and he's making things up. So he takes her to court. Okay. So what does he do? Uh, so the parents of the girl 
they take, they take, they come and they see you at Betuli and Nara. They spread out the Betulim of the Nara. Now that's obviously physically impossible. So today the Gemara is going to explain what this really means. El Zikna'ir to the elders of the court, Hashara to the gate, to the court. I gave my daughter to this man, Laisha. He just hates her. It's not true what he's accusing her of. He hates her. And he's making this wanton accusation, this false accusation on her. I didn't find for your daughter Betulim. And here's the Betulim. He spreads out the Sim law. We're going to have two um, ex- explanations in the Gemara today what this means. But, uh, so they prove it in court. And then, since it was a false accusation, they punish him. And they also uh, punish him again. We're going to see in today's Gemara what this means. Now, this is 100 silver coins. If you recall, the Mohar Besulos was how much? Come on, guys. Okay, so good. So the Ksuva is 100 zoos or 200 zoos, depending if she was a Besula or not. But this Mohar Betulot in, um, in biblical coins was 50. was 50 coins. That was, remember, the penalty for the Ma'anes and the Fata was 50. And here it's 100, which is really interesting. One explanation I've seen for this is because he's trying to steal from her the Ksuva. So if someone's trying to steal, they have to pay back Kefal. They pay back double. So he has to pay 100. It's double the 50, which was the typical Mohar Betulot, the typical uh, dowry to a virgin girl. Not Olivia Naira gives to the father. Explain why today. He has defamed a betula, a maiden of Yisrael. And he has to keep her as a wife. If she wants to keep him around, then then she can make him keep her. Can't send her away. So this is the psukim that are motzi shemra, and it's as we said yesterday, it's a chiddush Torah. This is not the normal din of the Torah. It's a chiddish. It only applies in certain circumstances. We had applied it to a na'ra, not a katana. We learned that out yesterday. So today we're picking up the very top of Mu with Rav Papa. Now remember, yesterday we said that the man, the husband, who's making these wanton accusations, false accusations, he always gets whipped. Even according to Rabbi Yehuda, he always gets whipped. Even if he was not bought aleha, even if he did not do what the psuki marmashma he has to do, which was try to actually sleep with his new wife, and then he comes to court and says, "Listen, she was not as advertised." Okay, so we understand he has there has to be some sort of contact first. Critically, as Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says we whip him no matter what, but he only pays the hundred kesef fine if he actually lived with his wife and then makes a claim about her betuli. But we're always going to whip him. Whether that's because of Lotei Lech Rochil, which is allowed in the Torah, don't be a talebearer, or we're going to whip him, Machus Mardus, because the rabbis are allowed to whip people who are being very unsneous and very wanton and showing up to court with bizarre accusations. So good, at the top of Mem Vav, Rav Papa Amar, my bol loke, what does it mean the husband gets whipped, that we said in the Sparaisa? Uh, so even if he did not live with the new wife, he still gets hit. How? Mamam, getting hit in Mamam. The Karle the Mamam Malkus is getting hit in the pocket book called getting hit in. Yes, it is. Bahatnan, the Mishnah teaches, Haomer Khatsi Erki Alai. Someone says, half of my value is upon me. I'm high to pay half of my erich. We call the Torah has fixed amounts for valuation depending on age and gender and uh, certain criteria. A person has an erich set in the Torah where if he says erki alai, you have to donate that amount to the base of Mikdash. Obviously, we're not making a judgment of who's more valuable, what age brackets are more valuable, 
but the Torah fixes this, that he can say his Erech if he wants to. So you can always donate as much as you want. Rabosai, we got a big pile of dirt next door. The building funds could use donations. Anything you want. It doesn't have to be your Erech. It could be Chatzai Erech. It could be any amount you want. We always appreciate it. Dafyomi, always appreciate all the sponsorships. Baruch Hashem for all of you. Did I say sponsor? Oh my God. Wow. I was just saying. They didn't say sponsorships, and it just came up in the Dafyomi. So you see how much Hashem loves us. Talmud Torah sponsorship at Paul and Kathy Pollock in honor of the grandchildren, Tikva, Esther, Simcha, Avikayel, Milana, Milasenta, may they grow to become the best versions of themselves. Daf Yomishir sponsored the Zuchut Rafua Shlema for Yehuda ben Michal, my son. I want to thank you all for all of your help and uh, kind words. Week of Learning sponsorship by Ben Yamin Fleischman, memory of Rabbi Shmuel, Yehuda ben Ben Yamin Yaakov, and by Selma Wolf with immense gratitude to Hashem and to all those who joined in prayer for Rafua, for Dr. Kari Davis, the granddaughter of Selma Wolf, who Baruch Hashem was granted the gift of life. We should all be gazont ad of Esrim Shana, God willing. But you talk about sponsorships and Baruch Hashem. See, Hashem saves me a lot of trouble. Thank God. Good. So a guy can give his erech. He can give chotzi erech. No ten chotzi erech. He has to give half of his erech. Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, loke. He gets hit. And we think loke means lashes. But no ten erech shalom. He gives his full value. Loke am I? What, what do you mean? We hit him? We lash him? What are we talking about? Omer of Papa, loke erech shalom. No, it mean hit in the pocketbook. We mean when someone says, I want to give half my Erech, we hit him in the pocketbook in the sense he has to pay the full thing. My time, but why would we do this? Why can't he just pay a half? Gezeira, it's a Gezeira, Chatsi Erko Ati Erech Chetzia. Because if a guy says Chetzi Erko and he's worth 50, okay, we'll let him pay 25. But if a guy says Erech Chetzia, the value of half of me, the value of half of me, so how do you do that? You cut them in half and you assess, like, what, the bottom half, the top half, left half, right half? I mean, that's, that's kind of odd. So, So if you have half of a human being, somewhere in there, there's a vital organ. A person can't live half a life, you know, God forbid. Any way you slice it, a guy can't continue going with half of his body. So if someone says, he really means his full erech, but we, it would be confusing if he says, so we make him pay full, he gets hit in the pocketbook, he pays everything. It's a beautiful reminder that when we make a Sher Yatsar, we thank Hashem for all of our bodily organs, that without all of our organs functioning as Hashem intended, it's hard to live. It's tough. There's Yisurin, and it merely makes us stop and appreciate Baruch Hashem when things work. Baruch Hashem, we get out of bed on our own two feet. Baruch Hashem, that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I just read the Pesukim of Messiah. But Anshu Oso, they punish him, the husband who made these bad accusations. Ze mamon, that's money. The Yisru also, and they give him Yisurin, they give him Musr, Ze Mulkus. Now we might have thought they just give him Musr, they make him read Mesilis Sharim. No, we give Mamash, we give him Mulkus. That'll help the Mesilis Sharim to sink in. Bishlam of Anshu Ze mamon, understand, we punish him, that's money. The puzzle continues, they punish him a hundred Kesset. Again, that's double, that's Kefal of the typical, uh, typical dowry. Not Nulavia Nara, they give it to the father of the maiden who was defamed. Elevi Yisru, Zaymalkis Manal. And how do you know it's Malkus? Amrabiabahu Lamdainu Yisru mi Yisru. We learned a comparison, a hekish. Yisru here, from Yasru over there. The Yasru mi Ben. Uben mi Ben mi Bin. Bin, there's a Pasuk. Vahaya im Bin Hakot Harasha. This is by the court if they find that one person is liable, and it's liable something with Malkus. The Pasuk says, Ahaya im bin hakota rasha. Doesn't have to say bin. Bin means son. Like in the category of Makos is the evildoer. So then we give him lashes. But bin hakota rasha, this bin is an extra word. It compares to ben elsewhere, which compares to yasru. So yasru implies whipping, because in bin hakota rasha, then we will uh, whip him. 
And how do you know you're warned against Moshe Shemra? Now, in the Torah, the Torah lists punishments, but it also lists warnings, because you can't punish somebody without warning. As we mentioned yesterday, if somebody doesn't have hasra, they can't be high of the death penalty. People have to be warned and know what they're doing. They have to be of sound mind when they do the Avera in order to be, to be actually high for the Avera. So what's the Pasuk that warns someone not to engage in these wanton accusations against his wife? Rabbi Elazar mentioned the Rashi mentioned this pasuk yesterday. Do not go as a tail bearer. And in the Sefer of Mitzvahs, they actually have an arichas about what this really means. Do not be a tail bearer among your people. Even if it's true, it's still forbidden to say anything negative about any Jew. Not only that, this destroys the world. It's a very large sin. It leads people to be killed, God forbid. Uh, like Doeg Adomi, who was bringing Rachel, and he got killed for this. And he says, There's an even worse Avon, that's included in this category. Lashon Hara, he has his category of blood to Lech Rachel, it's Lashon Hara. Someone who speaks disparagingly, insulting of his friends. Even if it's true. So this Lot Lech Rachel in general is you don't tell Ruven what Shimon said about Ruven. And Lashon Hara is just saying anything negative about anybody else. That's including this clause. He says it's even worse subcategory of this, even if it's true. And he says, and this is Moti Shemra. Lashon Hara is Moti Shemra. And he says that this is, it's compared to um, the big three, murder and Arias and um, Vodazara, but that they said, they taught that, that Lashon Hara is even considered worse than all of these. We understand not literally worse, but we said it's considered in a sense to be even worse. And he says there are certain things that are Avak Lashon Hara, and you really have to see the Chafetz Chaim, the Iyun, that there are certain categories of Avak, the dust of Lashon Hara, that the Gemara says pretty much everybody does this, but not on purpose, God forbid, not on purpose, but it's very hard to avoid Avak Lashon Hara, because you can say, oh yeah, Shimon, he's doing great, and someone takes that the wrong way, or then they take it like, oh, Shimon's got, got too much money, more than is good for him. Like, you have to be, we have to be so sensitive about how we talk to people and about people. So sometimes it's better not to talk about people bichlal. There's a saying I heard, I, I don't know if it's in the Shah, it's in, probably in Shah somewhere, but because uh, it sounds good. And it says that um, small people talk about people, and medium people talk about things, you know, their cars, houses, whatever, and great people, they just talk about ideas. So I, I've heard that there's probably something similar to that in Pirkei Avos, but uh, if you avoid talking about people, that's great. They say about the Chavetz Chaim himself, you want to think the Chavetz Chaim, who was the Bucky in Lashon Hara, that he would, wouldn't talk very much. So apparently people who met him said he was always talking and chatting, how you doing, how's the family. He was always like playing Jewish geography. He was like a big talker because he knew all of the rules cold. So he knew like how to talk without being over any of Akhla Shanhara. So he was always talking to people. He was always like a very friendly guy. It's kind of an interesting thing. He wasn't like a grumpy old rabbi who never talked to people. He was like mamish with everybody talking because he knew how to talk without Lashon Hara. Um, the Shari Tshuva here in uh, Gimel, uh, Per Gimel Kofiot Aleph, he says that you know, this husband who's accusing his wife, we call it Motsi Shemra. He's bringing out Lashon Hara on her. Lamaisa, he's also accusing her of infidelity, which she could get executed for if it's true. So I don't say, well, he's Motsi, a claim of infidelity. No, Motsi Shemra, because this accusation, this accusation on her reputation is even worse than death. Sometimes embarrassment is worse than death. And we find this also in a Gemara, and it's, a, it's also coming up in yeah, about, about a year and a half. So it's, it's Kedai to have a preview of coming attractions. 
It's in Bava Metzia Nun Tes, and it's a very famous. If it's not famous, it should be famous for both. So the Mishnah said, Kishem talking Ona, overcharging in business deals. There's also Anat Devarim. There's also abuse with words. You don't tell Balchuva, hey, remember you see bacon. Remember your parents did a Vodazarashnu. Do not um, uh, abuse a gear, do not press him. Then the Gemara continues, says Noach lo la Adam Shevel Suffolk Aishis Ish Al Yabi Pinechaver Brahmi. It's better for a person to have intimate relations with a doubtful married woman than to embarrass his friends in public. Okay, no one leave. I need to explain this. Nobody leave right now. I don't want you guys to get in any trouble. So what he said Okay, so Minalaz explains. So the Gemara is gonna explain it for us. How do we know? Me the Darsh Rabba, the Darsh Rabba, my dichsiv, he brings a plus and tail about David and Melch. But Soli Simchu, they're laughing at my limp. Vinesfu karu lo damu, and they're gathering around me. They're ripping into me lo damu. They're not silent, but damu is also blood, as we're going to see. Amar David lifnei hagadish baruch This is what David is saying in this pasuk in Tehillim. Says ribano shaolam galui viyadua lefanecha. It's revealed before you shimhayu mikarin besari. If they would cut my flesh lo hayadami shotet, my blood would not spread out. Why? Because he was so embarrassed. Because his face turned white from the embarrassment that his chaverim in the base medrash were embarrassing him, as we're going to see. Uh, not only that, we're in the base medrash, and we're not we're not learning about arbamisus bezin. We're learning about negayim, we're learning about saras, and which skin blotches are tame. We're learning about ahalos, when things are are tame in a tent. Omrimli. So all the talmidim in the base medrash. Remember, David Melech was a rebbe in base medrash. He was a kolo guy also. Not only the king, not only the warrior, the general. He was also a kolo guy. And he was. They were learning in in the yeshiva. And he said, the students, they're telling me, hey, David, when somebody lives with a married woman, how do we execute him, David? Huh? Huh? That's what they were doing to him. Yeah. Uh, good. So I have to answer them. Yes. A, a, an adult who engages in adultery, God forbid, it's chenek, it's strangulation. We said yesterday, the Naramel Rasa, the Moti Shema, that's a skila, that's an exception. Typically, it's chenek, strangulation. But he gets olam haba. Of course, he had to do tshuva. He had to do tshuva for what he did, for the adultery. We execute him, and that also is a kapara, and he gets chenek olam haba. Someone who literally blanches, whitens the face of his friend in public. He embarrasses his friend publicly. So in a sense, now don't, don't run out of shit right now. In a sense... Being embarrassing people publicly is a form of murder. You're removing the blood from their face. You're embarrassing them. You're besmirching their reputation. You're accusing a maiden among Israel of doing horrible things. In a sense, it's worse than murder. Now, literally, they're still alive, so you understand. It's not exactly murder, but in a sense, it's worse than murder. We say, the Gemara further brings Tamar, who is willing to die in a fire rather than embarrass Yehuda in public. So she said very secretly, you know, with a message, Yehuda, if you're, you'll admit, that's fine. And if not, she was ready to die before she embarrassed Yehuda. And that's why Tamar was Zoha to be the great-great-grandmother of David Melech, of the kings of, of the Jewish people. Is because we don't want, I mean, the king is in a leadership position. We don't want a king who gets to a high position by putting other people down. God forbid. That's, that's, not, that's not what we're about. We're about raising yourself up through Vodas Hashem, through Torah and Tefillah and, and Mitzvot. We're not about putting other people down to raise ourselves up. We couldn't have a king like that. So this is the famous Gemara that shows you that in a sense, Lashon Hara, Moti Shemra is worse than death, which is why we call this 
misbehaving husbands, the motzi shemra, the guy who's making a bad accusation, not the guy who's trying to get his wife executed on the suspicion of infidelity. It's, you know, that's also bad, but in a sense, that's not as bad as the Lashon Hara. So good, so the Yashara is from there, Lotei Lech Rachil, Rabbi Natan is a different source, Guard yourself from any bad happening. Now, Davar is also Dibur, it's also words. So guard yourself from speaking bad words about other people. Rabbi Elazar, my time alone, Mark, uh, so why doesn't he say that say that this davar ra is also the source? He needs that for teaching Pinchas ben Yar. We just had Pinchas ben Yar yesterday. I got I got one nod. Baruch Hashem. I got two nods. I got a smile and two nods. So some guys were awake yesterday. Remember yesterday we talked about the person who did a chetz, and then much later he realized it. He didn't realize it, and we brought the mesilas yasharim that you have to you have to stop and think that so many of the problems we have in our life are caused by that we don't stop and think. So much lack of tshuva is because we don't think about what we did beforehand or afterward and see how we can fix it. But the entire Sefer, the entire Mesilas Yasharim is based on one teaching of the same Rebbe Pinchas ben Yair. Remember, this is in Avodah Zarah, Dav Chaf, Shonam, Mikan, Amar Rebbe Pinchas ben Yair, Torah, Mevi'eli de Zahiro, Torah brings you to be careful, Zahiro, Mevi'eli de Zrizot, being careful can bring you into being alacritous and, and quick. Zrizut mevile de nekiut brings you to cleanliness. Nekiut mevile prishut from separation from any any bad things. Prishut mevile de tahara brings you to uh, clean, you know, higher cleanliness, a tahara cleanliness. Uh, purity, tahara mevile de chasidut, that brings you to chasidut. You know, not with the white socks, but that's also good. Chasidut mevile de anava, that brings you to humility. Anava mevile de yurathet. To fear of sin, Yeratchem Mevile De Kedusha brings to holiness. Kedusha Mevile De Ruach Hakodesh that brings to Ruach Hakodesh prophecy. Ruach Hakodesh Mevile De Tchiyat Amesim. So you can literally, I mean, he's saying Tchiyat Amesim, the the rebirth of the dead. So, but a person learning Musar, learning Mesilas Yisharim, can really bring himself back from the dead. If if there's areas of your life where you're struggling and you know it's hard. Start learning Musar, start with Nesilik Yasharim, go through the steps. This is the original 12-step program, and you can really bring yourself back from the brink. You can bring yourself back from the dead. So this is Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair. He does not need my Haskama. He's amazing. He's one of like the guys who's very Musar-oriented in Shas. So Pinchas ben Yair, Nishmarta Mikol Devara, what does this mean? Mikanam Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair, Al Yahar Adam Biyom. Don't think about things during the day, and Kol Shaken, don't see them on uh, you know on, on the screens on the phones the TVs the whatever it is the new the magazines because it can bring to a, a nocturnal emission at night and you, you want to avoid that so Nishmar includes this this teacher in Pinchas Ben we have to be so careful what we look at because the Torah tells us very clearly you start looking at things and you start desiring certain things thinking about them in a more lustful way you know it's not where you want to be in life. And you know, if it was true back then, two thousand years ago, three thousand years ago, Kolshkin is true today. When you know, sometimes we think like, "Oh, I've seen it all. I'm kind of immune. It doesn't matter if there's a girl walking down the street. You know, I've seen it all before." But the Torah is telling us: still be careful. Still be careful. Even though in our in our modern times, it's not people are not as serious as they used to be. We still need to be even more careful. Kolshkin, we need to be careful. Rabbi Nelson, my time alone, Mar Mihai. Rabbi Nelson say, "Lo telech Rachil is the source for Motzi Shema, the Ashara, the warning source." He says, "Hahu azhar lebezdin." That's a warning to the court specifically. Shelo yehi rach lezei, not to be soft on one guy 
and hard on another guy. Lo telech rachil, Rashi says rachil, lashon rachli. You can't be soft on certain people because they have a certain political position, a certain political party you agree with. You can't be soft on those guys and then hard on other guys because they have different politics than you. You, you can't do that. So the court has to be totally objective and not have, bring personal feelings into their judgment. Now, there's one exception where we're hard on someone. We mentioned it yesterday. Come on, who was here yesterday? Masis. Thank you. A Masis is somebody who tries to get other people to do a vote Zara. Now, in the Masis, we have an additional mitzvah, uh, don't cover it up, uh, don't try to find favor from them. But otherwise, generally, we have a Pazakh, then people are accused of a crime, we look for their innocence. We look for evidence to get them off the hook and find them innocent and not execute them. As we said yesterday, as we said over and over, a Bezdin that executed people every seven years or even every 70 years was considered to be bloodthirsty and inappropriate because it's very hard to actually give a death penalty in Jewish law. So the court has to be very careful not to make, not to accuse innocent people or even to accuse people that might say they're not innocent, but maybe they're not deserving of capital punishment. The only exception was the Masis, somebody who's tempting others to avoid a Zara. That guy we go after with the full force of the law and we try to get him. Good. Lo Amar La'edim. So back to the Moti Shemra. Lo Amar La'edim. If the husband did not say to the two witnesses, Bo Beheiduni, come and testify on my behalf, testify that my wife had engaged in immorality while we were married, and they come and they testify by themselves. Like maybe these two guys had heard something, heard some rumor about the wife. They haven't been told by the husband to come to court, but they're coming to court and they're the ones accusing this woman. Who ain't no So the husband does not get whipped. He doesn't pay the hundred, uh, hundred uh, silver. Uh, and he, but she and her Adim Zomamine go to Beisaskila. He, could it be that both the woman who was proven to be unfaithful and the Adim Zomamine go and get executed? Ela, oh, he owes a mamea. It's either she gets executed if it's proven with witnesses that she engaged in adultery while she was in Ashazish during betrothal after Kedushin, she's in Ashazish, or the Zomamine witnesses. If the first set of witnesses who accused her were proven to be false, proven that it never happened, uh, the, the classic case is they testify, oh, this girl was married and uh, we saw her be alone with uh, Philip and uh, on such and such date, such and such time. And then two more Adim would say, hey, at that date and time, you guys were in Mexico City with us at a chasana. That, that never happened. You were never there. So that's a classic Adim Zomamine. It could also be disproven. You know, if there's Adim that Philip wasn't in the city on that day that they say he was, they wouldn't be Adim Zomamine, but still it wouldn't be proven, and the woman would not be executed. So it's either her or Adim Zomamine are going to get executed because for Adim Zomamine, we, we give them kasher zomam lasos, the penalty they intended to inflict on their victim. That's how we punish them back. So the reason the husband here is not whipped and doesn't pay is because he didn't tell the Adim to come and testify for him about his wife's alleged infidelity. If he did tell them, even though he didn't hire them, he wasn't paying them anything to do so. This excludes the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. The husband is not chayiv. Until he hires these Adim to come and support his false accusation. My time with Rabbi Yehuda, what's his reasoning? I'm Rabbi Abahu, Atia Sima, Sima. Because the Pasuk says, Sam la alilo tavarim. He puts on her the wanton accusation. Says, Ksiv Racha, Sam la alilo tavarim. 
Pasuk says he put in her wanton accusation. Do not put on him interest. And just like interest is money. It's paying extra money for, the, for renting money. Basically, you're paying money to borrow money. That's neshech, that's ribis, that's interest. Afkan bama. So here too, this psalm law, this uh, putting on him is money. Now it's interesting that in medieval Europe, one of the only jobs Jews could have was money lenders. And it's kind of, it's an interesting historical thing because sometimes it made Jews wealthy and powerful become a money lender for the king or the duke or the city or whatever it is, it's a position of power and influence to be the banker. However, it's a position of extreme danger because if the king owes a lot of money and he can't pay, all he has to do is kick out the Jews and then the Jews can never collect their money. So it's, it's, something, to, it's something to think about from a historical perspective that that was the only, I mean, because Jews were excluded from owning land, being in guilds, being in professions, being in the in the nobility, Jews were excluded from a lot of things. So sometimes the the Europeans, the, the goyim, allowed the Jews to be money lenders. You know, not really for the advantage of the Jews, but for their own advantage, so that if they had to default on the loan, they just kick out all the Jews and they don't have to pay back. So it's something to think about. With, you know, with fiat currency and central banks, it's kind of like you know, being a banker could be great or it could be dangerous. So that's why here in the Torah we say, oh, he pays fifty kesef, he pays hundred kesef. It's actually silver coins. Those aren't greenbacks. Those aren't bitcoins. Those aren't NFTs. Those are actually have inherent monetary value as a physical resource. So okay, something to think about from a historical perspective. Good. Amar of Nachman Bar Yitzchak vekantane Rav Yosef Tzidoni bei Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai. That's Bar Yochai. Atia Sima Sima. So he held by the Strasha Sima Sima. So Sima means money. Some of the Devarim we put on him money also. By Rabbi Yirmiya Scharin Bekarka. So he's, he's learning we have to, he has to hire the Adim. So they learn out, Bar Yochai also learns out, if the husband hires the Adim, then he has to pay the hundred kesef. If he didn't hire the Adim, he wouldn't necessarily have to pay. Now we might give him Malchus anyway for making the accusation. We'll give him Malchus Alot Elech Rachil, we'll give him Malchus Mardus, but he might not have to pay unless he hired the Adim. So the Gemara asks, what do you hire them with land? Not with coins, like Neshech, money, but with, with land. Well, if he hired them for less than a Sheva Pruta, these guys work cheap. You see that uh, false witnesses sometimes can be hired very cheap, apparently. He gave one pruta to both of them. He's hiring two witnesses for one pruta. You know, it's a buy one, get one free deal with the Adim Zomamin, the false witnesses. Mahu, what's the din? Bay Ravashi. Ravashi asks more questions about Moti Shemra. Hotsi Shemra al Nisuyan Rishonin Mahu. What if this guy married Sprinza, divorced Sprinza? then remarriage Sprinza, okay, this guy's crazy, and then he takes her to court and says, hey, back in the first marriage, she wasn't a basula, she was unfaithful during betrothal the first time around. So first of all, the guy needs to shrink, but second of all, it's a shayla if it really applies, because it's a second marriage already, like you could expect that she's a bula. I mean, the guy was married to her already, the Manashem. So, maho, on the sue achiv, maho, what about on his brother's marriage? This is a case in Yavamas. The brother did Kedushin, and the brother never went to chuppah, and Nebuch, the first brother, died. The brother did the Kedushin. And now his brother is standing in to marry this woman in Yibam. He marries her in Yibam, and he thought everyone thought she was a basula. It turns out, no. So could he make the accusation? Does Moti Shemra apply to that case? Pashu Mechachada. So we can't answer all these questions except for one. We can answer one question. Tatani Rabbi Yona. Rabbi Yona teaches, Et biti natatil ish hazeh. The Pasuk says, I gave my daughter to this specific man, meaning he has to be there. Has to be the man, has to be there in court. The, the original man who married her has to be the one making the accusation. And the father has to respond, I gave my daughter to this man, and he's making false accusations. 
So if the Yavah makes these accusations, it does not have Din Motzi Shema. Of course, if she was unfaithful, she might still get a skeel or a chenek, fine, but it's not a Motzi Shema. So my Rabban and my Relezer ben Yaakov. So this was a discussion we had at the bottom of Ahmed Base yesterday, the bottom of Ma, we said that Rabbi Yezer ben Yaakov did not require, the, did require the man to live with the, the husband, to live with the wife before making an accusation, to be technically a Motzi Shema. The Rabbanon said even if he didn't, even if he just heard from two guys after the chuppah, you know, they just said chuppah, mazel tov, mazel tov, the two guys show up and they say, hey, we heard something about your new wife. Yeah, and the husband didn't even live with the wife yet, he could still make the accusation according to the Rabbanon. So what, what is that teaching? What is that, what is that argument over there? Tanya, the Barisa teaches, Ketzad Hotzos Shemra. How does it work, this Motzi Shemra? Baal the Vezdin, the husband comes to court, the Amar Ploni. He says to the father, this Ploni is the father, he's bringing the father into court. We're going to see why. We said actually yesterday, the father is the one who raised this girl, so if she actually did adultery, we're going to give her skila where? His door, right in front of his front door, Bosai. So we blame the parents for the actions of a 12-year-old girl. And we're going to see why. You know, it's a very different society. Fathers, parents were considered to have much more authority over their daughters. You know, if she had a curfew, the father was there with the baseball bat, making sure she was never after curfew. You understand, like, there was much more parental authority. So he's held responsible. The, the husband is basically taking the father to court. He says, Lo matzati the bitcha, I didn't find in your daughter, Basulim. And remember... From our introduction, this is a case where the father or the daughter had been saying, yes, she's completely a basula at the time of Kedushin when they did the betrothal and she became an Ish. So now that she was not a basula on the wedding night, it means something, we assume something happened in the interim when she was a married woman. If there are witnesses that she committed infidelity, tahtab, during the betrothal when she's an Ish, yesh la ksuva mana. She has a ksuva of 100, not 200. If there's Adim that she was actually unfaithful, she gets a kasuva of one mana of 100 instead of 200. What do you mean? Baskila hey, we'll give her a skila. She was a Naira Mirasa and she was unfaithful, so the din is skila. Not that she gets a downgrade in her kasuva from 200 to 100. That's not the din. Hachi Kamar. So the Gemara says, this is what the Bryce is saying. If there was Znus while they were married during the betrothal between Kedushin and Chuppah, Skila. Then she gets a skila at the, uh, at the door of her father's house. Zinsa Mikara. What if she was involved in premarital activities that were mamish premarital before the Kedushin took place? So then, Yeshlak Suva Mana. She can't get the 200, the Matayim, because Lamaisa, she was not a Basula. But the Mana, she does get. Lamaisa, they're still married if they have witnesses that she was. You know, it's not, it's not znus, it's not infidelity because she's not married yet. She's just um, taking liberties. And again, that's not, that's not kosher, but we don't give anyone skila for that. It's just the problem here is the misrepresentation. Potentially, he thinks she's a batula, she's not a batula, and therefore he's assuming that it took place during the marriage. But if it actually, there's Adim, it took place way before the marriage, you know, it was a one-time thing. She has her regrets. She was young. It was, you know, okay. Then uh, it never happened again, never happened after the marriage. So then Lamaisa, she's not Chayv Misa at all. So Nimsa, Shem Ra, Eno Shem Ra. So then his Shem Ra, his accusation, is not a valid accusation. Hu Loke, he gets Malkus, Venotin Measela, and gives a hundred coins. Bain Bal, Bain Lo Bal. Whether or not he actually slept with his wife, whether or not the husband actually slept with her, doesn't matter according to the Rabbanan. But Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov, Omer, he says there's a Chilip. 
These words only apply when when the husband actually consummated the marriage on the wedding night. So then, because that's that's what the psukim sound like that we read. So it sounds good. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. The pasuk says, "Va'aleha." The husband came to her. That's usually a euphemism for intimacy. I was close with her. If he didn't necessarily live with her intimately, what are you talking about? So the rabbis explain, So he came against her with accusations. Came near her with, with accusing words. So it sounds good. The Pazak says, I did not find signs of virginity in your daughter because he requires the husband to actually consummate the marriage with her. What does that even mean? So they would explain, Adim, who can prove she was kosher. Now the Rashi explains, Adim that can disprove the accusing Adim. The husband's not showing up alone. The husband's showing up with Adim. They might be hired guns. They might be, you know, you know, cheap, cheap hired guys, you know, bums, or they might be, you know, think that they saw something and maybe they didn't see. So if they can disprove the first set of Adim, they are kashre betulim. They're upholding the faithfulness of the girl. So it sounds good to him. These are the signs of virginity of my daughter. Sounds like they're bringing physical proof, such as, you know, a stained sheet. How do they read this pasuk? These are the witnesses that show that the accusation is false. The witnesses that she was, in fact, not unfaithful during marriage. Maybe it was before, but during marriage, definitely not. So these kashrei betulebiti, they're just as good as physical proof of besulim, according to the sages. You'll note that Rashi there, the Pesukim, and the Poskim, they learn the sugya like the Rabbana, not like Rebbeizer ben Yaakov. We do not require a literal sheet. We require edus. They spread out the simla. Simla could be a garment or a sheet or a blanket, something with physical evidence. How do they read this pasuk? So simla, they say some law when he put on her their pirshu. They explain, he brings edus, brings witnesses to either be mezamem or clarify or explain what's going on. Pirshu Masha Samla. They explain what happened about the accusation he put on her. We call from the first pair. There could be a lot of valid explanations why the girl is not a Basulim. She was an avid horseback rider. There was a gynecological exam when she was young. There are a number of valid reasons she was not as he expected her that have nothing to do with infidelity. So if they have aidus to this fact, they can be Pirshu Masha Samla. They can explain the accusation he put against her. Kidatani, like the Brysa says, Parsu This teaches that Adim come, Adim Adim come from both sides of Borin. And the judges clarify by examining the Adim at the Davar. What exactly happened here? Kisimla Khadasha, like a brand new garment that's perfectly clean. You gotta clarify, get all, dig through all the mud, you know, dig through all the mud slinging and see exactly what the truth is before we're gonna punish anybody. Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov married Devarim Kiksovan. He says, no, it's exactly as they're written. Simla Mamish. It's Mamish. He, re- he would require physical evidence of uh, Betulim or lack of Betulim. We're going to learn later that they would actually check the attendance 
Shushbinin at the wedding, they would make sure that the girl wasn't uh, carrying a bloody handkerchief into the into the into the you know the the bridal chamber with her, and the man wasn't carrying a white sheet with him, you know, to make up accusations. They make sure everything's kosher. Have a guy go inspect first, make sure everything's clean when you go in, and yeah, yeah, check it out. But that's what the rabbis are in Yaakov. The rabbis say no, this is not literally a bloodstained sheet. It's edus. It's the judges and the witnesses and the parties working out the taina clarifying, digging through the mud, and cleaning out the ideas here so we know what actually happened, we know what happened and when, so we can figure out if anyone here is Chayef Skila or Malkus or Mama. Good. Shalach Rabbi Yitzhak, Bar Rabbi Yaakov, Bar Giyori, Mishmed Rabbi Yochanan. We have a teaching Rabbi Yochanan, Afal Gav, Shalom Atzina, Bekolet Torah We never find in the entire Torah, Shechilek Kosuv that the Torah distinguishes Bein Bia Kedarka, Leviya Shalom Kedarka. Between a normal, intimate act and a lokadarka is, um, you understand, not the normal uh, location, but it, it, it's a close location, but it's not exactly a close, but no cigar. That location, the Torah does not distinguish. Now Rashi explains because the Torah says, Mishkave Isha Kasiv. When the Torah talks about uh, a, a, per, a man sleeping with a married woman, doesn't say mishkav isha, which singular, lying with a woman. You understand there's no dirty words in Hebrew. So it says mishkav is a euphemism. It says mishkaveh, plural, that there are two ways to be intimate with a woman, and both of them count, but call uh, mishpat arayot. Both of them count as arayot. So in Jewish law, uh, if a man and woman are intimate, and it's not in the normal place, but it's next door, uh, then that still counts as intimacy. And if she's a married woman, they, she still gets executed. That counts for al din, but here is the exception. Uh, so, it, so it says, it's not for any punishments, but they make a difference for moti shemra. The husband is not to get whipped and pay until he lives with his new wife, in the unusual place, but he's accusing her of being a non-virgin in the normal place. Now, this sounds strange. They're going to explain it's not. This is not. Is not a, the proper teaching. Kimon, who is this teaching like? Ikarabandan. If it's like the sages, Afogav uh, It doesn't matter if he had kedarka, kolo kedarka. Even if he didn't live with the wife at all, and he makes the accusation, then he's really a moti shemar. Going to give him whipped and make him pay. Ikarabliyazer ben Yaakov. If Ikarabliyazer ben Yaakov, idvini kedarka v'imam. He would need that. Literally, the pesukim say. I came close to the. I came close to this wife, the new wife. Lived with her. I consummated the marriage. Lomatzati betulim. It has to be the place of betulim. So the, the way to read the the, the statement below is It's even if the husband lived with her in the unusual place, as long as the accusation is kedarka, you would think it's valid. But he says it's not like the rabbi. It's not like Rabbi Yaakov. He would require idi beidi amid base kedarka in the normal place, the place that has betulim, that has signs of virginity beina. That's what he needs. He says, no, that wasn't the proper teaching. The proper teaching is, He's only chayev as a motzi shemra if the husband consummated the marriage with the wife in the normal manner, and he's accusing her of not having betulim in the normal place that actually does physically have the betulim. That's when the din of motzi shemra applies. Now, I do need to clarify, because I don't know who's watching on the internet, that in Jewish law, the bia shaloh kedarka is considered a full bia, as Rashi said. So if a married woman engages in that, chayv misa, that's adultery, that's infidelity, even though it's not the normal passage, that's why it's called lokadarka, it's not the normal derech, it's not the normal place where people normally are intimate between husband and wife, but it's considered an act of intimacy nonetheless. And, you know, 
we kind of we split hairs. We're talking about the Kohen Gadol. The Gemara asks about a Kohen Gadol has to marry a Betula. So they said, what about if it's a Betula, but she was engaged in this act of low Kedarka? Is she still a Betula? So we said, technically, yes, but for the Kohen Gadol, no. So it is an act of intimacy between a man and a woman, and if she's a married woman, it's a Chayiv Misa. It's definitely considered an act. So we don't poskin like the Catholics. We don't poskin like certain other religions that hold that low Kedarka is not real intimacy, because the, the Torah says Mishka Ve'isha. Okay, you can't argue with the Torah. Mishka Ve'isha uses the plural for a good reason. Good. Uh, so the Mishnah, you're going to love this Mishnah, Rabbi Ha'av Zokai Bebita. The father has rights of, on his daughter, Bekidusheha, Bekesa to get the money for a Kedushin. Now this is a daughter who's a Naira or a Katana. He can accept her condition, whether it's money or a star or through Bia. Now we have to remember the Gemara we pulled out yesterday, and not everybody was here. Not everybody's here, so we gotta pull out Kedushin Mem Aleph. Kedushin Daf 41, where it says, right? A man can marry off his daughter when she's still a Nara, when she's t- between 12 and 12 and a half, and Koshkem, she's a Katana, when she's younger than that. But the Gemara here says, Rabbi Sai, do not marry off your young daughters. The Gemara says, It's usher to marry off your very young daughter. Until she grows up, she's mature. But Tomer Plenty Road say, until she grows up, she's 12 and a half. Once she's 12 and a half, she has experience in the world. Baruch Hashem, she's Bagras, she knows who she wants to marry. But at age of 12, usher, do not marry her off. Now remember, famously, we said yesterday there's a Taisvos here. And the Taisvos is scary because he says, Nowadays, why do we sometimes have to marry our daughters even when they're younger than 12 years old? He says, because the Golis is weighing on us very heavily. If right now you can marry off your daughter, with a dowry, with a wedding, with a simcha, maybe he's not going to have the means afterwards. His daughter will never get married. This was written during the Crusades. During the Crusades, it was not uncommon for an army to come through a city and randomly murder people, abduct people. They might, God forbid, murder. They might, you know, take the kala as their, uh, you know, war bride, and they might murder the chasa, and they might take all the money that the father has. This is literally written during the Crusades. And that's why the Tosso says, yeah, sometimes we need to marry off our daughters at a young age, which the Torah gives the father the power to do so, only because really the, the Torah doesn't want the father to do it, but in extreme circumstances where it's in the best interest of the girl, she might never get married otherwise. You have the money now, everyone's still alive, there's no Crusades this week, Baruch Hashem, let's make a wedding, okay? Even though she's 11 and a half, okay? But the Torah gives the Av the power to do this for these extreme kind of circumstances. I mentioned yesterday in Yemen, it was also done because the Yishmaelim, the sons of Yishmael, would commonly raid Jewish villages to take young girls into their harem. But if she was a married girl, they were much more likely to leave her alone because they didn't want the husband to come after them. So the fathers would contract a marriage, get a written contract of marriage, so the Yishmaelim would leave their little girls alone. So this, this was done, and it's, the Torah doesn't want a father to marry off his young daughter before she's old enough to have input and say so, but the Torah allows it to happen so we can protect our daughters from worse things in life. Good, so Zakai the Mitziata, the father is Zoche in her Mitzia, what she finds on the ground. She finds $100 on the ground, it's yours, Urbosa. And what she earns, what she works with her hands. And to annul her vows, if they have an effect on the family. 
Mekabal is Gita, and if she's still a young age, he can accept her get. If the father married her off at a young age, and then the husband wants to divorce her, he can be the one to hold her get, because a katana, maybe she's not old enough, responsible enough to hold it. But the father does not eat the perus, meaning if she inherited land from her mother's side, she had a grandfather, her, mother, her mother's father, who gave her property, this young girl inherits the property, and the father can't eat the produce, the interest from this property. He has to hold it in segula, in trust for her when she gets old enough. This is an interesting thing, because even though we're listing off ways where the Jewish law is patriarchal, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Jewish law is patriarchal, but we have here women owning property and choosing where their property goes. In many other ancient societies 2,000 years ago, for historical context, women were property. Women were literally property. Roman law, Greek law, Babylonians, all these societies, they just bought and sold women wholesale. Women could not own property. Women were property. In Jewish law, there are some rights the father has, Lagabe the daughter, and then Darim, and these are for the good of the daughter, the good of the family. We want to get her married off correctly, we want to get her set up correctly for life. But women are, you know, it's funny to say, but Jewish law was way more liberal 2,000 years ago compared to anything else. And we also see this, there's many Gemaras where women ask about psukim, where women say, oh, the, the woman should have read her get, she would have read the contract. Women knew how to read. Most like 2,000 years ago, even 1,000 years ago, no one knew how to read. But among the Jews, not only could the Jewish men read, even Jewish women could read. That's, it's amazing. So, you know, don't, don't, always, don't always compare what you see in the Mishnah, the Gemara, to what's the Metzias today. Compared to most of, of human history, Jewish law was very liberal, very understanding, very sensitive to the rights of all human beings. Just something to keep in mind when you're making comparisons. Good. When she gets married, yes, sir, I love a ball. The husband has more rights. It's not just that. Husband has more obligations. I mean, when a woman is not yet married, the closest man in her life is always her father. And the, the mission here is saying a husband is even more. A husband, like the father cherishes, loves, protects his daughter. A husband all the more so has to do those things for his wife. It's yes, sir. Yes, sir, lovable. So what, what are the additional things? If she owns land, he can use the fruits. He has to take care of the land. He has to take care of all of her investments or property. But he's allowed to use the fruits while she's alive. Nisa, uh, um, Good He has to feed her, Upirkona, and redeem her if she gets captured by the by the pagans, Kfurata, and he has to bury her when she dies. Even the poorest Jew among Yisrael, Lo should not hire less than two flutes for the funeral dirge, Mikomenet, and a woman to cry, professional crier. So they had this back then. You could hire a professional crier. She does funerals. I don't think she does weddings. Maybe she does. A, maybe she does a bris for the baby. Stand okay. She's a professional crier. So you see that a husband has to hire someone to make a, a proper kavod for the funeral of his wife. Gemara says because of Menolan, how do we know father gets kesef kedushin when he marries off his young daughter? By an ama a girl who was sold into servitude again. The Torah does not want a man to sell his daughter to a rich family to be a servant. However, if the father's penniless and he can't feed her, then you know, arranging this arrangement with a rich family, and hopefully they're going to marry her, hopefully she's going to become part of the family, that's to her advantage. It's also to her advantage, you know, it's better, it's in a way, it's better than making a shidduch from a rich family. If she's living there and helping out with the dishes, and she gets to see what really happens behind closed doors. Because they're, you know, they're not us, we're in Daf Yomi, but there's plenty of families out there, they look great from the outside, but behind closed doors, you never know what's happening. 
So if she's an Amma Ivriya and she's living with the family, she gets to see how they behave, then she's going to know if she wants to marry into this family. And if she does, she'll be very helpful and uh, you know, very nice to them and they'll want to marry her. And if she sees that they're really, you know, God forbid, jerks behind closed doors, then she'll be like, nah, I want out of here. She won't, she won't be so helpful and they won't want to marry her. So it's really to her advantage to be an Amma Ivriya if her father can't take care of her. It's really a last resort. Like the Taisu said during the Crusades, it's a last resort. But the Torah gives the husband, the father in this case, the power to do so in her own best interest, to protect this little girl and make her taken care of and get her a good shidduch. Uh, so there's no payment to this man who bought the servitude of the Amavriya. There is money for another man. Who's that? Avia. That's the father could accept money for the kedushin of his young daughter. But let's say it should go to her. Hashta via mikabel kedushaya. So we say, oh, but the father can accept her kedushin money. et biti The pasuk by Moti Shemra. He comes to court. Remember, she's a naira. She was married when she was between twelve and twelve and a half. So the father could, was the one who accepted the kesef kedushin. He comes to court and he says, I gave my daughter to this man who's making these terrible accusations. Ihi shaplakospa. So he see he takes the money for the kedushin. A mahani mili katana. We should say that might only be a katana. Delays la yod. A katana does not have a yod. Now, literally, she has two hands. God, we hope we hope she has two hands, at least one, but we hope she has two hands. We mean she doesn't have a yod financial transactions. Since she's a katana, she can't make a kinyan. So her father has to be the one to take the money. Of Naira, when she's 12 in a day, Isla yod, she has a halacha can to make transactions. Ihi to Kodesh Nafsha, she should marry herself off. She should have the right to do so. And she should be able to take the money. So we would have thought so, but Amar Kra, the Pazak says, Kinorecha Vase Aviha. When she is a Naira, she's between 12 and 12 and a half, and she's base Aviha, she's in her father's household. She's part of the household. Kol Shefach Urim Lehaviha. So all of the financial responsibility, whether it's profit or loss, whether it's paying for her food or accepting money for a Kedushin, that's on her father. It's her father's responsibility financially for this girl entirely. How do you know that the handiwork, the earnings of a daughter, goes to her father when she's in Naira? When a man has to, God forbid, he should have to, but if he has to, sell his daughter to a wealthy family for servitude. Just like this Ama Ivriya, what she does goes to the man who paid. Off, but so to the daughter, when she's still in the father's household, what she is working with, you know, she's she's making clothing. She's not just sitting there watching cartoons. She's actually, you know, helping out, washing dishes, doing laundry, whatever it is. Lomeli. So how do you know? So we learn this from Neoreya Beisavia that Kol Shevach Nereim is to the Abba. But that that pasuk is written by Hafaris Nadarim that the father can annul her vows when she's young and living in his house. You say we should learn from this, the annulment of vows onto the money. On a famous statement, we don't learn money from Isser. That monetary law is distinct from Isser Beheter. So you have this concept of Isser Beheter, he can be Mater or Neder, that doesn't necessarily mean he accepts the money for a Kedushin. That we learn from the Knas, that remember the Onus and the Mafate of a Naira, the, the father got the Knas until she was a Bogaris. That was the last pair. Also, we don't learn monetary law, transactional law, from a knas, from a financial penalty that Tori levies for some sort of sin. We might learn from Boshus Begam, the, the punishment, the penalty that a man pays for embarrassing or devaluing a girl that he abuses. God forbid, as you talked about in the last parak. That's a little different. The father is also um, 
engaged or involved in her Boshe's Pekah. Because you understand, the father of a young girl, he's looking for a good Shidduch. And if his daughter is, is beautiful and a Betula and everything's great, he can get a better Shidduch. And I'm not talking about like the father's not looking out for money, but he wants to get a better Shidduch. He wants what's best for his daughter. So if his daughter gets, God forbid, attacked, and now she's you know, considered less attractive by other men because you know, maybe there's scars, maybe there's emotional scars, PTSD, God forbid. Uh, you know, so that's it, also a problem for the father. It's harder for him to get her a good Shidduch. So it impacts him, the Boshis and Pagam. I tell you, there's another reading of that, but okay, we'll stick to, stick to my Peshat. Good. So really, when it excludes Ein Lo Kesef, it's Yetzia. It's going out of Rishus. So going out of the Rishus of the Adon who bought her, her, um, her work. So there, there's Ein Kesef. So too, but by the father, there is Kesef. It's excluding that. Come in mind. So it's excluding when she goes out of the Rishus of her father through marriage that the father could get money from the husband. Ha lo damya, ha yitzia lo But wait, these yitzias are not the same. Going out from Rishus of the Adon, the master who purchased her labor, and the father. Hasam gabe Adon, nafkali Rishus of the Gamre. Once she's a Naira, or she pays the money, she's free to go entirely. Yitzia de'ah, but when the father marries her off, akate mechasra misir lo chuppah. She still needs to go to chuppah to be fully out of his jurisdiction. But yes, from Chafar's Nadarim, once she has Kedushin, the first stage of a Jewish marriage, She's out of the father's jurisdiction for Nidarim. It's not like the Mishnah says, Naira Merasa, a young girl who's now had Erisid. She's had Kedushin, the first stage of marriage. Avia Ubaila Mafirin La Nidreha. Both the father and the husband have to agree to Mefer Neder because she's sort of in between. She's still living in her father's house. She's still a Naira. So if she wasn't married at all, the father would have the right to annul her Nidarim. But she has kedushin to the husband, so he also has a right. So they both have to agree to annul her nether. So a couple more minutes. Shtarabia. How do you know the father gets the rights to shtarabia? If there's kedushins through that way, minalon amakrav haita leish acher. Haita is lashon havaya. Itkesh havayot lahadade. Havayot is a euphemism for marriage in the Talmud, in in, in the scripture, in, in the pesukim. Havaya often means marriage because it's becoming. Because people don't fully become people until they're married. We had a discussion about the Yavamas. Okay, two more words. Zakai mitziata. The father also gets what she finds. Mishum Eva. That's the top of Memzayin. Because of Eva, of jealousy. What's going on here is Rashi says if the daughter finds a diamond ring on the floor and doesn't give it to the father, the father's going to be upset. He's not going to give her as much food. He's not going to give her nice clothing. It's going to impact their life. And it's an interesting discussion. Uh, under classical Talmudic law, the father doesn't have to support his children after age six. Okay, so after age six, you don't technically have to feed your children. But as a tshuva of Moshe, they asked him, can we use our miser money for tuition to pay for our children's food? He said, no. He said, certain, certain amounts, okay, building fund is another thing. You can always use your miser for building fund or both side. You're welcome. Um, but he said, because the minhag, our society is set up nowadays that fathers, parents, they pay for their children even way past age six, even in junior high school, high school, even in college, even in medical school, even in law school, we're still helping our kids. Baruch Hashem, we're still able to help our kids. So we, we mama should continue to help our kids. So Mishum Eva, if a child finds something, then it goes to the father. The Tosfos brings, we say, Gabi Metzias Beno, Abito, Haketoyim, when your young child finds something, Lo Katan Katan Mamish. This is an interesting thing. Gadol V'Samach Oshulchan Aviv Zehu Katan. Even if someone's grown up already, he's already in med school but he's still relying on his parents, he's still called a katan. 
still called a katan, but kata, and he's 10 years old, he doesn't depend on his parents for sustenance, in some ways he's a godal. So it's really interesting to think about, is somebody could be 25 years old, but they're still a katan in some ways. They still have to grow up in their financial you know, dealings. Someone could be a katan mamish, but they're still very independent. It's something to think about, we're talking about, yes, the father is marrying off the daughter, that back then at age 12, you know, the, the woman had no dealings with the outside world. It was really relying on her father, sometimes older brothers, to really get her set up for life. So some of these rulings in the Mishnah and the Torah, they're really in the best interest of the young women at the time who had no other way to get a good shidduch and set themselves up for a good life. Have a great week. Oh, yeah.